So hi everyone, welcome back um, to another episode of Angry Activist. Uh, my name is Karina. Today's a special episode. I have a guest with me, the first guest on the podcast. You want to introduce yourself? Uh, yes. So my name is Sandra Diaz. Um, Karina and I know each other for how long now? Little since 2019. 19, it's almost two years. Yeah. We're getting close to two years. Um, I'm a 22-year-old DACA recipient. Um, I uh, live in Lake County, Illinois as well, um, and I work at a nonprofit that helps immigrant families in our area, and I also started another nonprofit that focuses more on, on activism um, and advocacy. Um, it's called uh, Center for Immigrant Progress, and I have a blog <laughs> called Dreamers Transcend, um, and the whole idea of that one is to share stories, whether it's mine or, or friends or people I know or inspire me. Um, yeah that's kind of what I do yeah so the reason why I contacted Sandra was um to talk about immigration and so I've been pretty open about this like everywhere like on the podcast on my own social media and like in person with other people it's something I'm really open about is being a DACA recipient and in one of my passions is immigration um, and so I really wanted to touch on that on a podcast and I really wanted to bring someone else along as well because I feel like we all have different stories and different perspectives um, and we'll see how this goes. I want to do this again in the future where I have like a friend and it's basically just a conversation. Um, we'll see what other topics there are. So yeah, um, this is the first one and so... To start off, I kind of wanted to touch on, obviously, the elephant in the room. <laughs> we have a new president, a new administration. Oh, yeah. um, what are your thoughts on that? It's, it's interesting. Um, I remember, um, obviously, Biden was not my first choice. I don't think he's the, he was the ideal candidate, but it's who we got. And I think definitely he's better than Trump. Um, but when... Um, I was actually working during the inauguration. I had an event and it was really frustrating. I was like, how do you sketch something at the exact same time? Um, but I was kind of watching it at the same time. And I, I remember being really excited to see our first woman and person of color, sorry, woman of color vice president. Um, so I remember that's what I was looking forward to. I just wanted to see her being sworn in. Um, and that was great, but when I saw Biden um, say his oath, I got emotional. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was like, what is going on with me right now? Um, and I think the reason why is because I just, I guess I went back to um, that same moment four years before that, mm -hmm. and I remember having a different kind of emotion. It was mostly yeah. just fear and the thought of, like, I really didn't think my family would survive the next four years. It was kind of like hopelessness and fear. And um, I was living in Texas, which is a red state. Um, and I just knew we were not going to have a good time <laughs> for the yeah. next four years. So I think it just reminded me when I saw Biden being sworn in, I was like, wow, we, we survived these four years. And my family, even though we had to move across the country, like we're still together. Like we're still OK. We're still in the country and, and we're we're safe. So I think that's that was something really shocking for me to just go through at the same time and then five minutes later have to give a presentation in this meeting I was in. But it was it was definitely um, unexpected for me to get emotional at that moment. Um, and I guess now what I'm looking forward to is just 
like I said, Biden, um, he already did some things and um, that's good, but this is still, we're still at the ground. Like we still haven't gotten to everything that needs to be done in regards to immigration. Um, but I think what I'm looking forward to is what advocacy is gonna look like um, the next four years because I started doing this work um, in 2016 when Trump was becoming president and um, I was fresh out of high school and I was a little fish in the ocean mm -hmm. learning that the world as an undocumented individual in the US was really hard um, and I started getting into advocacy work and um, I don't know advocacy work um, with another administration than Trump's so mm -hmm. I feel like the entire time it's been kind of like swimming upstream and it's just been really difficult and like it's kind of like having a barrier after barrier after barrier for everything that we're trying to to accomplish which is really just basic human rights for immigrants yeah. um, and I feel like that's what I'm looking forward to to see how much like there's a little bit of hope that we'll actually get all the work we want to get done um, and actually pass some legislation that provides protections for undocumented people so I'm looking forward to see that with this new administration yeah I kind of um, I didn't watch all of the inauguration, um, but I watched, like, bits and pieces of it, mm -hmm. and I felt kind of numb, I guess. I felt like it didn't feel real. Yeah. It felt like... like it's over. <laughs> yeah. It, like, I don't know if you saw the clip of, um, Trump leaving the White House. I missed that. <laughs> I'm missed so that. sad that I missed it. <laughs> I saw it. There's clips on it, like, on yeah. YouTube. You can find it. And I was just like, "This is, is this real? Like, is this happening? Like, he's leaving. And like you said, I, um, so I'm 21. So when Trump was inaugurated, I, I was in high school. I think I was a junior. Mm -hmm. And at that time, like, I was just, like, kind of in a dark place, you know. And then this added on to it and I didn't really start to get more involved with the community or being like an advocate until I started college and so again like same thing with you I don't know like advocacy or, or work mm -hmm. outside of the Trump administration so it will be interesting to see how um, this type of work for advocacy for immigrant rights is going to change. Mm -hmm. I hope it'll be easier, mm -hmm. um, but I try to be, you know, not be too optimistic. That kind of sucks. Yeah. It just could because it feels like we're always being struck, right? Like mm -hmm. one after another after another, and it gets tiring. Like yeah. it's and. Obviously, I hope I never get to that point where I feel hopeless, but during the Trump administration, sometimes it felt that way, yeah. so we'll, we'll see. I, I think that there's definitely a lot of work to be done, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but yeah. Yeah, and I think also what, um, what we've kind of done in the past four years, I feel like obviously Obama wasn't... Um, that great he's known as the deporter in chief um yeah. but i think what what trump kind of brought in is like all these new um policies and like little memos that he would give to to um agencies and like i, f I feel like our work kind of consisted of mostly undoing what he was doing and mm -hmm. i think now we can actually try and 
and do like progress further than that and actually implement something more substantial and inclusive for for immigrants and and not just DACA recipients or not just TPS recipients but all 11 million mm-hmm. oh and I think also when you when you mentioned numbness oh my gosh I I feel like that's why I was surprised that I got emotional because I feel mm-hmm. like even the news about DACA coming back fully and, and accepting yeah. initials I was numb to that I was like that's great but something's gonna happen eventually so I'm not gonna get yeah. too excited mm-hmm. and I feel like that's why it surprised me that I got emotional because I feel like lately I've just been so numb to all these all these news <laughs> yeah and you mentioned how Biden's already started to do something so uh, if you guys don't know Biden um, issued an executive order uh, I think it was his first day right his first mm-hmm. day Um, basically saying that um, to stop deportations for 100 days, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So what what do you think about that? It was kind of like, again, I guess I'm still a little numb, but it was kind of Mm -hmm. like, okay, good. (laughs) We're doing things. (laughs) We're doing something. Um, I know for sure, though, that it wasn't like out of the kindness of his heart. Like people have advocated for that for a while and really pushed for it. Um, so the, I, th- I feel like the credit goes more to to the the advocates and, and activists that made this possible. But um, but I think just seeing that he did that seems like still we're like I said, we're still at the ground, but um, it, we're getting um, I guess we're laying the foundation to do more um, long term um, relief for families, um, especially like right now with COVID something that I kind of want to see, like, he's stopping deportations for 100 days. Um, what about the people that are in detention centers mm-hmm. for these 100 days? They won't get deported, but they're if they're going to stay in the deportation centers during COVID, like, that's, that's also not great, not a, an ideal yeah. condition. So I think what I would like to see is, um, I guess I just don't want to see deportation centers anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, but I do think that it shows that he's willing to work um, and help um, the immigrant community. Um, so I'm glad that, that he did that. Um, that and, and also I think something about just furthering the protections for DACA or saying that it's um, something about DACA. I'm not sure. I think he just said like DACA is, should be um, reinstated. reinstated. Um, so I think, um, you know, it, it shows that he's, he's going to be willing to, I guess, to work with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious to see how far... Um, his commitment is going to go um, before, you know, politics comes in. <laughs> yeah. I like how you mentioned that a lot of the credit does go to the advocates and activists that have worked really hard for it. Um, and I, like, appreciate the people that have worked mm-hmm. um, to try and get this type of work done mm-hmm. and pass along. It's definitely not easy work at all. Yeah. It's it takes a toll on you, I think, especially emotionally mm-hmm. when you're a part of the community. And, um, yeah, another thing was um, there's a proposed mm-hmm. legislation. Um, I don't know if it has a name or anything, but it's basically it would provide a pathway to citizenship, mm-hmm. kind of like the DREAM Act that was introduced 2005, 2006. It's been years. <laughs> it's been so many years. Yeah. Um, so kind of similar to that where mm-hmm. um, you would have to get a green card and then 
for a certain amount of time and then afterwards you could get your citizenship Mm -hmm. so again this is just proposed Mm -hmm. nothing's set in stone right now about that um but what do you think i think it's great um (laughs) i remember talking to a friend and and um him saying like i just want citizenship right now and at first i remember saying like that's that's too much that's asking for too much but if we think about it um when you have a green card you wait uh five years to become a citizen um three of you're married to a citizen but um or to apply but DACA recipients, for example, since we've been in the program, all of our information and all the, like, everything they have to know about us, they already have. And, like, we've been in this program, like, I've been here since, well, I've been in the country since, ooh, but um, mm-hmm. with DACA since 2012, since it started. So, we're 2021, that's eight, nine years. I don't want to, I'm yeah. like, I don't want to get it wrong <laughs> on record, man. Um, but, yeah, like, nine years. And that's much longer than what um, green card holders usually wait. So I just, I feel like as as great as it would be to have that path to citizenship, I'd really like to see immediate citizenship. Um, I don't know how possible that would be, but, you know, the Democrats do are going to have the Senate and, and the House. So mm-hmm. maybe if we introduce something like that. But I think the fact that he... Um, he is bringing this proposed legislation is it's a sign that you know i guess he's willing to cooperate but i really would like to see something more more immediate than this pathway um that will make us green card holders and then citizenship um but yeah i i mean i guess it's something for now <laughs> but we still have to go through the whole process of getting that passed um mm. and i don't know how long that would take and i feel like all, I think we are all just really tired of being in limbo. Um, yeah. And especially these past four years have been, like, just terrible um, for mental and emotional health. So definitely, I would like to see something more immediate. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the whole process would take eight years. And I'm like, mm-hmm. eight years? <laughs> like, I've been here for, like, twice that, uh, that yeah. amount of time mm-hmm. since I was a kid. And um, I talk about this all the time, how... Um, at least for our generation, Mm -hmm. like, we were brought here as kids, and Mm -hmm. we grew up here, and it's like, we, and now as adults, we work here, we study here, Mm -hmm. and we deserve it, like, immediately, and not only us, but I feel like our, the older generations, like our parents who are immigrants, like, they deserve it as well, they've been here for years, and they've contributed to you know, the system, and Mm -hmm. the system just takes advantage of them, and that's one of the things that just makes me so mad, like, with the stimulus checks, the Mm -hmm. first round, or the second round, too, (laughs) how, basically, if you did your taxes with an ITIN number, you weren't gonna get, Mm -hmm. um, the stimulus checks, and I was so mad about that, I was like, that's some BS, like, they pay their taxes, they pay more taxes than, like, some of these rich people, Mm -hmm. and it's just not fair, and it's, it makes me so angry and they also deserve immediate citizenship we're tired of waiting you know um we've contributed so much why Mm -hmm. why do we have to continue to wait like you said it's tiring to be in limbo and not know what our futures hold Mm -hmm. you know especially us just being pretty young you know like not knowing where our future is gonna go 
so yeah and i mean also with the with the pandemic i think it really showed just how um how much inequality there is like for example we have undocumented folk working mm-hmm. um and they're working these frontline essential jobs that stayed open and even in this county, like Latinos were more likely to to be yeah. um, infected with COVID, and by like I think five five five. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it was just really surprising um, to see how like after everything that we had to go through in this pandemic, like we have undocumented people, like I said, working front lines, and they don't have health care. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have um, a safety net, money to fall back on, or anything like that, and then they don't get any help from the government when it comes to the stimulus checks. Stimulus checks, like that's, and then on top of that, their status is also like a barrier when they need to seek help. They're too afraid to seek help. Yeah. So it it was just, I feel like so many things piled upon each other. Like it was so obvious that we were at a disadvantage, and then just seeing that the government doesn't acknowledge that with the stimulus checks, for example, it was just, I don't know, I think it was just very frustrating to see um, that we're basically on our own, but, you know, they'll take our money for income Mm -hmm. tax, and they'll take, um, they'll let us serve them, but they won't give us what we deserve. Yeah, Um, and I've also, like, had the opportunity to talk to people in our community, Mm -hmm. um, particularly the undocumented folks in our community, and even those who are, like, um, who aren't working the front lines or their, mm-hmm. um, where they work was shut down and it sucks. Like they can't apply to get these benefits, like unemployment and mm-hmm. they're, you know, trying to figure out where they're going to get their next meal from. And mm-hmm. it's just really heartbreaking and upsetting. And, you know, um, in the kind of work that we do, we, you know, try and help people and try and find resources for mm-hmm. people. But sometimes like, those resources aren't there and it's just frustrating um to go through so again hopefully that something gets done um definitely we'll try and keep pushing for change because there's a lot to still be done Mm -hmm. yeah um so another thing i kind of wanted to talk about because at my college i went to um one of their meeting, a club meeting of this club, which is a club for undocumented students. I just went yesterday, last night, actually. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. And um, they mentioned, like, terminology. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've also talked to about with friends and stuff, mm-hmm. about these different terms that are thrown out there, like dreamer, undocumented, documented, illegal alien, mm-hmm. you know, and all these things. And I have many thoughts about these terms. Do you... <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes, especially legal alien, and the fact yeah. that it's the the official term that they use in immigration documents. Mm-hmm. It's just I remember when I first got DACA and I saw that I had an alien number. I was like, "What? Like <laughs> alien? Like what do you mean alien? Like it sounds like we're not even human." Um, and I think that's what its goal is to dehumanize yeah. us. Um, I think I saw an article, I didn't read it, but I saw the title of it that Biden was proposing changing yeah. the illegal alien term. Um, I think that would that's obviously like a small step towards something bigger because I think it just dehumanizes us. It makes us sound like not here, not from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
But before I go crazy about borders and nations and where we're from, because <laughs> I'll go on like an hour rant. Um, I the first time I heard documented, I think it was um, what school do you go to? Right now? Yeah. NEIU. NEIU. I think it might have been in in their club actually. I went to their club um, meeting one time. Um, I can't remember the name of the club. What's the club? Euro. Euro, yeah. I think it was there where I first heard it. And I was like, wow, that makes sense. Documented. Mm-hmm. Um, at first I thought it was a typo, but then it made sense yeah. to me. Um, but yeah, it was like the first time I heard it. I think it was there. Um, I went there for like a resource fair. And, and they talked about, about that term. Um, but for undocumented, I think that's usually the one I use. Um, especially um, instead of illegal, um, which is a term that I feel like everyone kind of uses mm-hmm. and people don't really see the, a lot of times people don't see why it's, why we shouldn't use it. Um, yeah. So I always find myself kind of telling people, oh, it's not illegal, it's undocumented because no human being can be illegal. Like that doesn't make sense. Um, we simply <laughs> don't have a document, so we're undocumented. Um, but yeah, I find myself um, correcting people when they use illegal to say undocumented instead. And I feel like that's my preferred term. Um, when it comes to dreamers, <laughs> um, it's cute, <laughs> but I don't like it. Um, I feel like it's 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 nice or like a way, a good way for to kind of like talk about, I feel like it's it's become the, the term for DACA recipients, but I feel like mm-hmm. dreamer um, should encompass more than that and more than the ideal, um, ideal DACA recipient or ideal um, dreamer, I feel like, you know, for example, the original dreamers, which is what I call like our parents, for example, who came here first, um, I feel like they're the ones who had that dream of coming here and seeking a better future for us and for the our generations to come. So I feel like they are the dreamers. Um, but now I feel like we use this, this well, not really us, but like in general, the, the term has started to be used and it's kind of um, connected to just someone who has accomplished so much and is like a perfect um, undocumented person, like the ideal immigrant, mm-hmm. um, which like I guess um, that would be someone who has like um, achieved um, academically, they've achieved a lot and um, or have like no criminal records and they're like perfect in every, every um, aspect. aspect. Um, at least on paper. And I feel like that's, I remember um, when people would say the word dreamer to me, I I started to feel, I feel like at first when I was like in high school, I did identify with it. Um, But after a while, I I was like, I'm not a dreamer. Like I I can't, I'm not that perfect. Like it's not a a term that I would like to be called. Um, And when I, I heard it from other people, it kind of felt like, it started to make me feel like a failure because, for example, I ended up dropping out of um, college um, from U of H after two after a semester. Um, but that was because I couldn't afford it. It's not because I wasn't smart enough or good enough. Like I just didn't have the resources to continue. Um, and you know, I ended up taking like a couple of gap years, but not really by choice. I just didn't really have money to go to school. Yeah. Um, and that always made me feel like a failure thinking like dreamers are supposed to be a certain way and i can't be called a dreamer because you know i i dropped out like i i i gave up or i quit 
um, even if it wasn't entirely something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm kind of going back to school, <laughs> trying to, um, I, I realized I, I took a different path and it's yeah. not the ideal path that you would call a dreamer or what dreamer kind of stands for right now. Um, but I'm still doing okay. And I'm doing work that for me, it's really meaningful. Um, and I feel like, you know, you, I, I, I'm still going back to school and everything, but it was a very different path from what is traditionally, um, used. And I don't know, I don't really associate with the word dreamer anymore with the term. It's just kind of, I don't know. It makes me think that I have to be perfect. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I typically use undocumented, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I feel like it's not the correct term. Like, I grapple with just the fact that I have DACA, and Mm -hmm. I know people who don't have DACA. They're just plain undocumented, right? And I feel like it's wrong for me to use the term undocumented because Mm -hmm. I have DACA. Um, And it's just, it's like an internal battle kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And documented, undocumented, documented, documented, I don't, it's still a new term for me, Mm -hmm. so I don't use it too often. Um, So I don't really mind, like, I'll identify as it, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever to me and Dreamer. Um, I never, like you said, it's, it's cute, but, um, I mean, I definitely did identify with it a little bit more when I was younger, like when I was in high school and stuff, but I think, um, I don't know, I don't have that negative connotation as Mm -hmm. you kind of have. Uh, To me, it's just like, whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, I I would just prefer undocumented, even though, again, the struggle, like... (laughs) But I have DACA, Mm -hmm. but, you know, um, I feel like I hate the word alien, too, Mm -hmm. like illegal alien. I remember um, one time when we were at um, CLC, when we Mm -hmm. had the, it was like a fair kind of thing, Mm -hmm. um, and this man, I forget the context of what the conversation was or whatever, and he... I think it was about the census because that's when we were doing census work and um, he said so it counts the illegals or something like that Mm. I don't know if you were there I don't think you were there I'm not sure I think someone else was there with Mm -hmm. me and I remember being in shock like (laughs) when he said that and I couldn't I wanted to correct him but I was so in shock and I was like what did you say (laughs) like um I was just like whoa because like I've never had anyone kind of to my face say Mm -hmm. that. Um, I had kind of one situation in high school where I was in class. It was an economics class. I forget what we were talking about, but this kid behind me, he um, was talking about um, undocumented people and how they don't belong here and they should be thrown in a truck and taken back where they came from. Oh, and what's wow. funny is he's Filipino, so he, his family's probably probably are not from here. They're immigrants. And I remember being so mad. And the the teacher was like, uh, "Are you sure you want to say that kind of stuff?" Um, and I remember turning around to him and being like, um, kind of telling him that I'm an undocumented immigrant. I was like, mm-hmm. "You don't think I deserve to be treated like a human being?" And the look on his face, he was, like, in shock. Mm -hmm. And it's just reminded me the fact that you never know what people really think. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And after I said that to him, he never spoke to me again. <laughs> um, and I was just like, I never thought that he would be the kind of person to say something like that. And yeah. it just, I think that's when it opened my eyes to, you know, again, you don't know what people really think or what people's real intentions are. And it kind of mm-hmm. sucks. You might think because of someone's background again, like, um, the guy was Filipino and, Mm -hmm. you know, I assume his parents are also immigrants or his great-grandparents were immigrants, right? Mm -hmm. You would assume that they would be a little bit more understanding, but sometimes that's not the case. And that was definitely an Mm eye-opening situation. And the professor, the, I call him professor because I'm in college, but the teacher, (laughs) the teacher, when he saw that I told him that, he was like, oh, dang, like, (laughs) I told you, you shouldn't be saying that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, that was crazy. And that was my junior year when Trump was president, Um, too. So people were bold, you know. He just, I feel like that was the thing that scared me the most about Trump. It wasn't him himself. I mean, his policies were terrible. Um, But I think what scared me most was how he was empowering these people to be more outspoken or to act on these thoughts. And, um, and I mean, we saw that, the what happened in the Capitol, um, was it like a week and a half ago? So, Mm -hmm. like, that's the result of that. That's exactly what I was afraid of um, since I started hearing the way he referred to us. And now that you mention it, oh, my God, people, that's the crazy thing, too. Like, like for example, you'd expect this from, like, from white people, ignorant people, right? And then when you see people of color um, turn around and say, like, terrible things about immigrants, it's just kind of like, well, what about you? Like, your parents, or where are you from? Or... um, I had a friend who, um, it's just, it was crazy to me because, like, I grew up in in Houston, Mm -hmm. in Northwest Houston, and it's not the safest place, um, but it's not, like, super terrible, I say, Um, but, you know, it was a community of color, like, there was only, like, black and brown people, you could probably count how many white people there are in the entire area um, with your fingers, like, it wasn't that many, and we both grew up in this area we both grew up in the same environment and uh, went to the same schools and then um, around the time that that Trump was in office I think it was it was probably halfway through his term Um, I remember I don't know what I was doing oh no no no, sorry it was during the Black Lives Matter um, movement this uh, last summer in 2020 Mm -hmm. it was around that time I posted something on snapchat I don't even remember what it was but um, um, I don't want to say a friend, but this person, an acquaintance, <laughs> an acquaintance. <laughs> um, he responded saying that um, he's from Honduras. He was born in Honduras. I I think he got his green card um, now, but um, he basically was saying that you know that black and brown people are usually criminals and that they deserve to be treated a certain way. And I was like, what about you and stuff? And he was telling me about like his experience that he just saw the worst of us. And I was just like, that doesn't mean that like what it just did not make sense to me. And I remember going off on him and saying like, how can you do this? And then like coming from what, like where we came from and seeing the same things we saw, like it's not, a, it's not, if you see more people, more black people and brown people in prison, it's not because they chose to be there. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to think about other, you know, what's going on in that environment that is causing this to happen. Like obviously mm-hmm. we're going to be more, um, like we're going to be poorer than our white counterparts. Some people are there just because they can't pay like the, the bond, the bail bond. So like, 
It's not, it's because we're poor and it's because we are being oppressed. That's why you see more of us in prison. And I feel like he just, he couldn't see past the fact that he's in the military now. Mm -hmm. Um, He was like, well, Trump has been helping me. And I'm like, okay, so he's helping you. So you are willing to just throw the rest of your people under a bus. It was just, it was really eye-opening and shocking. And I was like, what the, like, what is going on? Like, why are, why is he... Like, how can you come from the same place and, and be end up being so different, you know? It yeah. was just really shocking to me. Um, like, his family, his entire family is undocumented. He's still not a citizen, and he's over here rooting for um, Trump and his white supremacist group. So yeah. I was just really shocked at that and um, completely blocked him off. I have no idea where he's at right now in his life, but, you know, I just hope he... He sees things differently. I did my best, (laughs) but it gets to a point where you just can't um, Mm -hmm. continue to to talk to people like this and, and, you know, end up just feeling terrible afterwards. It was really sad for me to see that because I really considered him a friend growing up, so. Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like sometimes within the community, once you get your green card or once you're a resident or citizen, Mm -hmm people change like Mm -hmm. they have this sense of entitlement kind of Mm -hmm. i watched this video on youtube it's by jubilee i believe Mm -hmm. and it was like um pro wall people versus (laughs) non-pro wall people i forget what the title was but there was one lady on Mm -hmm. the trump side and she was hispanic and she was talking about how she came in the right way oh my god i hate when people say that like the right way (laughs) and she was saying, well, I came in the right way. Why can't other people? And it's mm-hmm. like, there are so many other factors, like you said. Mm-hmm. And it just made me so mad because people don't understand. You can't just, oh, I'm going to sign up for citizenship and I'm yeah. going to get my citizenship. That's not how it works. There's rules. There's a lot of different hurdles you have to go through. Basically, I think the only way you can really get citizenship is if you marry a citizen Mm -hmm. and even then like it takes years as well Mm -hmm. like people don't understand how hard it is and you know some people they come from countries where they're being oppressed and they're being threatened there's violence Mm -hmm. there's poverty and to them it's either you know i stay here and i die especially if they have kids you know it's like either i stay here and i die my kids die or i go and people risk their lives yeah. coming here. They go through the desert. They go through... Um, I know some people try and go through the... the What's it called? Rio? Oh, Rio. Rio, Rio Grande. Grande? I think... Yeah. Sorry, um, I think of Rio Verde because that's <laughs> where I'm... Like, I lived close to this place called Rio Verde. So I always think Rio Verde, but it's Rio Grande. <laughs> yeah, and so, like I said, people risk their lives coming here. And I wish people would respect mm-hmm. just undocumented folk more for it, but... Like you said, mm-hmm. you you can you can only do so much and educate people so much. It it's up to them to, you know, make mm-hmm. the decision on how they choose to act mm-hmm. or what they choose to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of it is definitely ignorance, mm-hmm. just not. I don't know, being so close-minded to a certain way of thinking. Like you have to be able to. Um, be open to new information like you don't know how things change and 
also question why do you think these things why do you believe this like who brought this idea to you first because we Mm -hmm. don't grow up like we're not born knowing that you're pro-immigration or anti-immigration or anything like that's all developed based on like what you experience so we need to be open-minded to um, receive new information and new experiences um i feel like that's the only way we're actually going to get somewhere into like having a country that actually i don't know that's that treats everyone equally whatever it's supposed to have been founded on which you know we know it's not even yeah uh, it's not true but but yeah i think that's the biggest thing just allow yourself to be open-minded to to new things Something that you mentioned earlier was this idea of the perfect undocumented person or perfect immigrant mm-hmm. um, associated with the term dreamer. Um, and I definitely agree with that. Um, I feel like there's this expectation kind of set if you're not, again, going to school or um, working a really like nice job or whatever, mm-hmm. you're a failure you know Mm -hmm. according to society and you're not deserving of citizenship and that's what like really makes me mad is this idea of who does and who doesn't deserve citizenship Mm -hmm. like because you don't know people's situations again like I've been fortunate enough to you know have been able to pursue college and I've talked about this lots of times on different um, podcast episodes, Mm -hmm. how I acknowledge that, like, not everyone has um, this privilege, and Mm -hmm. even I'm barely holding on, you know, (laughs) so, um, and I know, like, other people and other family members who, you know, they would have wanted to take that path, but they couldn't because, Mm -hmm. you know, money or other things arise, Um, and then when it comes to, like, maybe immigrants who do have a criminal record, like, mm-hmm. you don't know their circumstances. It mm-hmm. maybe was not um, in a malicious way. Maybe they're just trying to survive. And that's the thing. I think um, when people just try to survive, obviously because the system, all these systems are just broken. And sometimes people do things that, you know, the law considers illegal or not right but why aren't we talking about the systems in place that are forcing them to do these things mm-hmm. and so I I like that you brought um that up yeah and I think like you said we don't have to say that we're deserving of citizenship like I feel like I mean just immigration in general I feel like we have to prove that we deserve to be treated as human beings gen- in general um but like, for example, when it comes to DACA recipients, um, and I've seen a lot of elected officials do this, where they um, have DACA recipients and they talk about them and their stories, and <laughs> I'm not going to say names, <laughs> but they they prop them up, right, or prop us up, and say, look at this person, listen to their story, and as great as that is, you know, making sure that people who maybe don't have a DACA recipient friend to go to understand kind of like, I, I guess, one situation of a DACA recipient, but... If you're doing this and you have nothing to back it up with, like you don't have any legislation, you've maybe not voted for any legislation, or you are not outspoken about immigration in general, then you're not really doing much. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not using the power that you have to to actually help us. Um, and I feel like we also don't have to have a sob story 
to be deserving yes. um, of, of citizenship or a pathway to citizenship. Mm-hmm. And it kind of seems like with every scholarship, with every grant, mm-hmm. um, with every legislation that we want to pass, we have to add how much we've suffered and how oh terrible our life has been <laughs> and why we deserve this one little act of kindness. Like, yeah. you should be able to be kind to anyone regardless of how much they've suffered. That's just in general, like, to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it just, it's just so, I guess, draining. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like they don't realize how... Every time we tell our story, and I tell my story a lot, but, like, I feel like every time I tell it, it's just, like, it changes a little in the way I say it, but mm-hmm. it always feels like, like, wow, I really went through that. Like, wow, that's really, that, like, it just, I don't know, I feel I feel all these emotions again, yeah. and it just kind of brings you back to, like, dang, that, that was, that is my story, I guess. Like, wow, you forget about it as you go mm-hmm. on, and when you go back to it, you have to relive it, and it's not always healthy. Um, I feel like you can get to a point where you feel you don't you don't um, get emotional talking about it as much anymore, but you always feel something every time you you share that. Um, mm. And also, you know, having to like you said, there's um, talk about like what if so, some uh, some undocumented person has a criminal record? We don't know their situation as to why they have had a criminal record or how serious it is is it actually a threat to to uh public safe public uh safety um and i feel like what what we've seen mostly is kind of like the sob story part and also like are you deserving because of the things you've done or the accomplishments you've had in your education and your work history and all of that and like you said like we don't know like every life happens like we don't always Mm -hmm get the opportunity to go to college or um, have some fancy desk job. Like we have DACA recipients who are are not working nine to five. Like they're still working um, in factories or um, in restaurants. Like we've done those jobs too. Like that's mm-hmm. when there's no nothing else, we do that because we need to work. We need to get make money. We need to help our families because sometimes we're the ones providing. But yeah, I feel like it's not about who's deserving. It should be about just humanity in general just treating every undocumented person as they are a human being yeah i like how you brought up the scholarship and (laughs) grants part because you guys know i'm a college student and Mm -hmm. i've applied to many scholarships and there are very few of them that um undocumented students qualify for and the ones that do are extremely competitive and you know Mm -hmm. you have to have like three letters of recommendation and like your resume with all the community work and volunteering and your grades and all this stuff and um I remember when I was first looking at scholarships right when I graduated high school um I remember because in high school I was not involved like Mm -hmm. literally I just went to school came home that was it I was not in any sports or clubs or whatever Mm -hmm. um and so I remember looking at these scholarships and they required they wanted you know where did you volunteer? What clubs or extracurriculars did you mm-hmm. do? And I was like, well, I didn't do any of those things, but that doesn't mean that I don't deserve a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And so that really pisses me off. And I mean, now I have stuff that I can add to my resume and things like that and to the applications, but I still think about, like, would you give me this scholarship if I hadn't done any of these things? Mm-hmm. And like you said, a lot of them... It, ask you to explain there's so many prompts about Mm -hmm. like 
explain one challenge that you had to overcome or explain um, a time where you ch- you overcame adversity or whatever mm-hmm. and it's it's it gets tiring to have to write about the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. um, recently I went to counseling with my school because they offer it for free and I talked about that and apparently like this can be a type of trauma Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know that I didn't know that um this can be a type of trauma having to go through these things that have happened to you over and over again and not only that but the journey itself Mm -hmm. you know even when I came over I was really little I was like four years old so I don't really remember but even that I've had dreams where like I feel like I'm being chased Mm -hmm. and I'm like in a maze or whatever and it didn't click till recently that that could be related to the journey here Mm -hmm. because like I said I don't really remember it but I do remember um my uncle he carried me on his shoulders and at one point we were running because they thought um ice was coming and so I remember that and I feel like that's infiltrated my psyche I Mm -hmm. think that's what it's called but yeah that was really interesting to learn and I don't think that these organizations or whoever is um, funding these scholarships Mm -hmm. takes time to acknowledge that Um, they just think like here's the money (laughs) that's it like (laughs) what about my well-being like (laughs) mentally and it, it sucks it sucks having to do that and even as like maybe even if you're not even an immigrant having to go through traumatic events or having to go through tough times Mm -hmm. um having to relive them over and over it's not fun and it it sucks that we have to pitch this um to an organization or a foundation whoever's funding the -hmm. scholarship in order for us to get money like we should get it regardless Mm -hmm. like so many people get like FAFSA and maybe they don't deserve it like mm-hmm. I mean I don't want to say they don't deserve it but maybe they didn't work or maybe they have you know whatever going on and they don't care about school maybe or like whatever and mm-hmm. they still receive help and it just it kind of sucks that we have to tell these people about the terrible things that mm-hmm. we've gone through to get money I feel like we've gotten used to always working just a little bit harder than someone with citizenship. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe a lot harder sometimes, but um, I feel like it's just become nature to us. Like, we know Mm -hmm. we always have to work harder. Like, we think that we always have to just be trying a lot harder than our counterparts because they have citizenship and they have everything they need to be okay. And we are still like, if we're not perfect, we'll get deported. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, when we were young, when I was young, um, I'm still kind of young. Sorry, I always think of myself like I'm like I'm super old. Um, but when I was a teenager, I remember always being super like, like for example, with my friends, I'd be like, "Is there weed in this car? I'm not getting in. I can't risk anything, you yeah. know, um, because even if it's not mine, even if I didn't know about it, if I'm caught in a car with weed, like there's a chance something bad could happen to me and to my family. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, no, like I have to be really careful. Um, and um, and even though, for example, in Illinois, weed is now illegal, or marijuana is now illegal, uh, sorry, legal, um, it's not federally, so it still affects someone who's undocumented, because yeah. immigration is federal law. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned trauma, because I feel like we don't talk about trauma enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
everything we experience aside from just like the crossing like surviving here as undocumented people with like no um safety net or no other family in my case like something that i think i didn't realize was tra traumatic until recently um my parents crossed first before uh my sister and i mm -hmm. so we were left um in mexico with uh family members for a few months and i was five years old four years old um going to five i think i think my parents weren't there for my fifth birthday but we were uh, away from them for a couple of months while they came here and worked and settled down because we were young, we were little kids, so they didn't want us be, to be living with a family member um, because we were too loud or it might be like um, mm -hmm. uncomfortable for, for the family. So they came here first and they worked until they were able to get a small studio apartment um, and that's when they, they brought us. Um, but I didn't realize that was traumatic until recently. Like being away from them for at, at a time that I think it's very important to your development as a child. Yeah. Um, I and I, I still need to go to therapy and figure out what's <laughs> how everything has affected me. Um, but but that's one thing that I'm sure had a lot to do with my relationship with them now. And um, like, that's one thing. And then we, we grow up in, in areas that are not safe, because that's mm -hmm. all we can afford. Um, and that's another thing. And then on top of that, once you're already here, um, this whole last four years have been traumatic for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but something that happened recently, like if a, a family member dies in Mexico, like who's going to yeah. be there with them? How do you say goodbye to them? Um, I actually had my grandma die um, a few weeks ago, right before New Year's. Mm -hmm. um, and I always feel like I, I, I oh, at the beginning, I kind of shrugged it off. Like, well, I wasn't super close to her. Like, yeah. it, I don't, like, it took me forever to actually cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when I did, I think it was what got me to actually, like, cry and realize, like, wow, she's gone, was that, you know, all of her um, kids, all, all my uncles, are, are here, or most of them are here, and they yeah. won't get to say goodbye, and they can't leave because now they have... Uh, citizen children who if they go if they go back they'll be abandoning their children so mm -hmm. um it's just it's really just the it's a different way of of uh, we ha we're forced to grieve a, a different way yeah and it just kind of like this when this happened it kind of spiraled me into thinking like what's going to happen when i lose more people who are even closer to me and it's just it just sucks like it's another traumatic event and especially with like our parents, we don't, I feel like they don't even acknowledge the fact that they've gone through so much yeah. trauma. Um, like my dad losing his mom, his mom and a sibling and like all these people he's lost and hit their journey because I know my dad has had crazy um, crossing stories um, that are really like, I could not imagine going through that. Um, but, but yeah, it's. I feel like there's so much trauma there that we don't talk about enough. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it ends up kind of like um, showing up in the way that we act now and how our relationships are, are now. And we don't understand why things get a certain way, but there's just so much that we haven't healed. Um, both us and like our parents and our entire families and just undocumented people in general. Yeah, for sure. I definitely can relate to the passing of a grandparent mm -hmm. um I think it's been a few years now my grandpa passed away and kind of sucked um and like I remember my mom being very emotional mm -hmm. about it and 
Because she never got to say goodbye, you know, and it had been, I think at that point, like over 10 years probably that she hadn't seen her family. And I think that's something we also need to talk about is not only our trauma, but our family's trauma and our Mm -hmm. parents' um, trauma. And it's just because um, I feel like mental health isn't something that's talked about in our community. Mm -hmm. I think it's shrugged to the side and pushed down. And it's something I've tried to personally speak to my parents about, Mm -hmm. but they're just a different generation, you know, like, it's different. Um, But definitely, I I hope that we can try and heal um, not only us, but our family. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of all this, it's not not easy at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like through sharing our stories, I feel like that's been one way that I've been healing. Um, but I feel like it doesn't help so much when it's like a super like public forum or something like that. But when I'm talking to people like you um, and people who understand or um, can, you know, have experienced something similar, I feel like it helps to to know that you're not alone and that there's people who... Um, maybe went through something similar and understand what you're going through and Mm -hmm. just having that support I feel like that's something that has been helping me um to heal um but yeah yeah definitely and I think um I agree with that I think talking to other people who understand or um or who are just very open-minded about it that definitely Mm -hmm. helps and um, I think I've been healing through helping people. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm going into social work because mm-hmm. I want to help people and I want to advocate for people. And to me, I think that's my way of trying to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Yeah. Um, and something that you kind of brought up is elected officials <laughs> and how they kind of prop us up sometimes. We've been to... Um, a round table with our representative mm-hmm. we won't say names but um i remember that day so vividly mm-hmm. when we were there um he came in and we all sat down and he wanted us to go around and share our story mm-hmm. and it got so emotional like everyone was crying like <laughs> the whole room, it tears. was <laughs> it was waterfalls everywhere <laughs> and um this was still, like, I think halfway through Trump's term. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were just asking him, like, what are you going to do if DACA's taken away or mm-hmm. something changes with DACA? And he was just like, I don't know. And yeah. we were all like, what do you mean you don't know? Yeah. Like, it was like, we're, we look to you for hope and you have some some sort of power to do something. Mm-hmm. And you're here telling us, like, we'll figure it out. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't know what will happen if that does. And I was just so annoyed. Yeah, and I think the most frustrating part for me is that this elected official... Should I say that? I don't know. (laughs) So Brad Schneider, the congressman for the 10th Congressional District, um, is the one who created this this roundtable. And I appreciate that gesture. But I think what gets me really frustrated is... um, I think we can safely say that his district is blue. Like, it's pretty safely blue now. Yeah. And, for example, this last election, he won by a landslide. Like, it was his election, period. So, 
and and this is kind of a message i guess to all elected officials like when you have a safe spot like that um i think you are allowed and i mean it shouldn't be um like if you can or can't like it's your job to do it but you can uh introduce more progressive legislation that actually helps the people who have been neglected in your district in the past because um i, I don't know the exact year but i know that he was congressman of the district for um one term and then he um then it was a republican and then again him and then now it's been yeah. him consistently so now it's safely blue and i think now we can take we can safely take up or um we can safely um, introduce legislation that helps undocumented people or can be at least outspoken about immigration um, because mm -hmm. in these conversations, it sounds like he's going to help us, but then we're like, okay, why can't you support Abolish ICE, for example, after all the inhumane things that they've done and the proof and like, how much more do you need to um, at least say defund ICE? Maybe not abolish, but defund. And it's something that we still haven't gotten him to say, but I think... You know, if you have to realize that if you hear these things from your um, from your constituents, eventually they're going to get tired of asking you and they're going to run someone more progressive. Yeah. And the way it's looking right now, I feel like it's a possibility um, for the next elections. So, I mean, I guess we'll just get to a point where if you don't do what you're supposed to do, um, then you're going to get kicked out and, you know, we're going to... Um, especially with this younger generation, I'm really excited to see yeah. where we get to it. But I see I see so, so many people wanting more progressive legislation and more progressive elected officials. And I think um, it's a real possibility for our district. So, you know, yeah. we might just end up getting tired of asking and um, help someone else get in that position, someone that will actually do their job. Definitely. Um, I think I mentioned this, or someone mentioned it, um, after we had the virtual one, mm -hmm. you know, we had another meeting, just like some other people in the community through Zoom about, because we've been to two, well, I've been to two, mm -hmm. the one in person, then one was in, was virtual, and then we had, um, like I said, that meeting with community members mm -hmm. after the virtual one, mm -hmm. and I mean, same thing. Like, Everyone was thinking the same thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. we were kind of like, if this... Um, person mm -hmm. <laughs> Schneider if you don't get it together like mm -hmm. we will get together and have someone else run like because we're tired of it and I'm definitely like if it comes to it like I'm all in I'll mm -hmm. support a more progressive candidate and I think people really underestimate our power I think mm -hmm. as um immigrants as as undocumented folks we we can't vote mm -hmm. but we have a lot of influence like yeah. Just within, like, my circle and the folks I know, we have a lot of influence. And uh, I think one of our friends, he mentioned um, he mentioned that and how we can definitely put together a campaign. Like, mm -hmm. we have so much power, more than we realize. And yeah. we're smart. Like, we're... Um, we can definitely do it. But, yeah, like... It, said we're I'm I'm getting tired I'm getting <laughs> tired of you know politicians using our story just for you know see this person or like I care about you mm -hmm. but it's like well, if you cared about me you would introduce 
um, legislation or vote for legislation. Or simply just be outspoken about it. Like, I feel like a lot of times they they say, well, I, I signed this bill or like I voted for this. And I'm just like, okay, but you have so much power in simply your words and when you do public speaking um Mm -hmm. because i know he has a lot of following that is that is white like our our um our district is not entirely black and brown people like we have like a lot of diversity but i think just being outspoken about it would help a lot like that's something that you know doesn't take um legislation or writing policy or anything like you can literally just say what you believe or what you say you believe but you don't actually publicly say these things and um there was a thought i forgot about it already (laughs) oh so i i like how you mentioned that um we have a lot of power and i don't know if this happens to you but when elections come around i get text messages about who should i vote for but like that's always something that happens when the elections come around. So even though we don't have our own individual vote, we do have influence over other yeah. citizens who can vote. And, you know, that's definitely something that I think um, we don't realize how much power we have in simply telling people, hey, you know, this candidate is pretty good. This one's not. <laughs> vote mm-hmm. for this one. Um, because there's also so many people who just are like, I'm not interested in politics, mm. like, I'm not going to vote, yeah. like, it doesn't matter. And I know, like, myself, I've influenced a couple of people to go out and vote simply to do that. And when they don't know too much about what's going on, you know, they're like, well, who, who should I vote for? I don't even know. So um, I help them in that way. But we definitely have a lot of influence and power there. Definitely. And I think, so this past election, I was... Um, a little bit involved, I uh, worked for one of our uh, state senators, mm-hmm. and so I got some experience, like, talking to constituents, and it's, like, there's some very, you know, red Republican mm-hmm. people in our area, but there's also a lot of really um, progressive blue people as well, and, yeah, I'm I'm ready for the next election, like, <laughs> I'm ready to go for whatever needs to be done but something that was really i guess exciting was in that call we had after the round table the virtual round table there was a lot of like community leaders like Mm -hmm. people who have influence in the community and um and not just undocumented people like there were citizens and and i just i remember being like wow i literally texted you guys right before the meeting the round table started and you guys actually showed up like that was like, I just posted it on Facebook and texted, mm-hmm. like, a couple people, and we had a good amount of people in that call. And I was just like, and that's all, and the, I did that in, what, like, three hours? It happened, and we got together, and that's just how strongly people felt that after, like, an hour and some change of a, a roundtable conversation, they still, they, they, I guess they were so, they were looking forward to express their thoughts on it and, and still had the energy to go to another call afterwards that took, like, another hour. Yeah. Um, but I, I was really, um, like, shocked to see so many community leaders in that call. And, you know, there are people that we've all, like, our networks are really large and we have really amazing and inspirational people in the community who have a lot of influence. So I, I definitely see us getting together um to get some progressive legislation going for us here definitely so like 
immigration has changed so much and it's so much harder now to get any kind of legal status than it was when their parents did it the right way like right now literally people are it's either they come in um with like illegally or um they die like it's it's super simple or they're either they get here or they die like that's 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 the only thing in their mind at that moment survival mm -hmm. and it makes me so mad to hear people say to do it the right way like especially when they support someone like trump like he has completely just gutted the immigration system like before there was a backlog with trump there's just it's just so much worse and so much harder to do it the right way and i'm doing my little quotation marks with my fingers <laughs> but it's just so annoying and i don't understand how like they just i don't know if they just refuse to research or learn anything new about immigration and just come up with random um like ideas based on what mommy and daddy told them but like it just makes me so angry when people say do it the right way like it's so easy to do that yeah i think immigration really changed i think after 20 2001 9-11 mm. Mm, oh, that too. That's when, like, they were really cracking down on the borders and mm -hmm. airports and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just a lot harder after mm -hmm. that, I think, for sure. Mm -hmm. Laws change all the time, especially with immigration. And mm -hmm. um, I think people also don't acknowledge what happens at the border. Um, for one of my classes, I had to do a paper um and i had to research like a topic social issue topic and obviously i picked immigration <laughs> me being me yeah <laughs> and but i had to like talk to a social worker and i was i found this organization in chicago called the young center really great mm -hmm. organization um they work with um kids so kids that were either separated from their families mm -hmm. or who just came by themselves and until i until I did that paper, I didn't think about kids, um, even though I came as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. But there's kids who come here by themselves, mm -hmm. and the way that they're treated at the border is insane because there's really no laws um, about how you can treat a child coming in versus an adult. Mm -hmm. Children are treated like adults. Mm -hmm. I think if they're over 12 or 13 I believe I can't remember and it was just insane and the whole process that they go through um it's just so dehumanizing mm -hmm. and it's like how can you let this happen how can you not talk about these things that are happening to kids you know mm -hmm. conservatives care so much about you know pro-life and all these things and it's like what about these kids that are you know being made to make their own decisions and they're 13 years old mm -hmm. and they're alone they don't have parents they don't have guardians mm -hmm. and it just it irritates me when it's just so dehumanizing the way the system is currently right now and really hope that we can advocate for again better legislation with this new administration mm -hmm. yeah it's I feel like there's such a double standard when it comes to those kinds of situations. Like you said, like there's people who are pro-life, but not pro-helping abandoned little children who are simply trying to stay alive um, by coming to the United States. Like, how how can you support one but not the other? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've talked about like how we share our stories, and sometimes it's you know traumatic and not fun, but. 
I think there's a reason why we do it. Um, I know definitely, like, when I was younger, like, when I was in high school, I was not very open about it. I think I only told very few people, very close friends. Mm -hmm. um, I remember in my driver's ed class when um, people were getting their licenses and stuff, and obviously as an immigrant, um, mm -hmm. well, you can get a TVDL here in Illinois, mm -hmm. um, but the process is different. And I remember like having to go up to my driver's ed teacher and being like, can I get my license? Mm -hmm. Like, cause I'm undocumented, you know? Mm -hmm. And he told me that I could, you can get a TVDL. Um, but yeah, it was just different back then. Again, Trump was president back mm -hmm. then. Um, and so sharing my story was not something that I really wanted to do. And I don't mm -hmm. think it was until I started college that I began to be more open about it. Mm -hmm. And I guess the reason was is because I realized, you know, that I go through a lot of these things. And there's probably others who do as well. And again, I'm very fortunate to have DACA, even though it's not, you know complete protection it's still something and it kind of gave me um the confidence to be a little bit more outspoken about my situation and my circumstance and I think it's been helpful I think to other people because I've met so many other people as well a lot of my friends are also you know mm -hmm. undocumented or have DACA and um we've been able to form like a friendship and a community and you know, we share resources with each other and all these things, and I definitely think it's been helpful. Um, like you said earlier, it helps when it's with the right people, mm -hmm. when it's just in front of, you know, a politician or ignorant people. It can be a lot harder. Yeah, definitely. I think what the reason why I decided to, to be more open about my story is... I don't even know when I started sharing my story in public because I remember in high school no one really knew I was a DACA recipient like that wasn't something I was known for um so and I wasn't super involved like I was involved in school and like sports and clubs and things like that but I wasn't involved when it came to like civic engagement in any way mm -hmm. until after high school um so I think it started you know I guess I think it started also like in college time like when i was in college i started realizing that there was more people that were going through a similar situation and especially when trump was running for office like his entire campaign was super like you know deport the mall and things like this mm -hmm. so um there was a lot of people like speaking up about it like hey i'm undocumented like are you gonna deport me too and my family and i feel like when i started seeing people speak up about it i was like like it helped me realize that i wasn't alone that this wasn't like a, a problem that I had to like yeah. deal with on my own so I think that's when I realized that I like sharing my story is could help someone else um realize that and since then like I've it kind of sharing my story is kind of what brought me closer to a lot of you guys all of my friends and my support group and it's been really um I guess kind of um I don't, know, I don't know if liberating is the right word, but mm -hmm. just being able to just be, be more, be myself, yeah, every, in every aspect and not ha having to hide this, like, huge part of who I am mm -hmm. um, with, with those that are close to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just want to, like, mention, like, obviously, I don't think that you 
should or have to share yeah. your story. I think that's completely like a personal thing. Because mm-hmm. like I said, when I was in high school, it was definitely not something I wanted to share with people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think if you know anyone who is, to just be respectful of yeah. those choices, of your friends' or peers' choices to not, you know, share their their story because it's not your story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of in the way, like, if a friend shares something personal with you, you don't, like, go and tell the <laughs> world, you know. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to mention that, that if you are undocumented or documented, don't, you know, share a story that's, like, completely fine. You're, mm-hmm. obli- you're not obligated to share your story. Um, this is just, like, what we do. Because it can be um, a risk, particularly if you don't have DACA. It can mm-hmm. be... Um, it can be scary, scary. so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't blame anyone for not wanting to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like, it's helped me in some ways, but it has been scary sometimes, especially when you share it. Uh, like, I've done some um, events where I'm doing public speaking, and there's, like, a room full of people, and I'm talking to them, and I'm being open about my status, and sometimes I'm just like, well, they wouldn't hurt me because this is, like, a church, or because um, this is a congregation or something, or um, because, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong right now. Um, but, I mean, I, can, I guess I can know for sure, so it's yeah. definitely... Um, there's like the there's a downside to to everything I think what has been the upside for me that I've realized is that um, just storytelling in general and allowing yourself to be vulnerable with someone always kind of brings like a deeper connection Um, and even when it's with like a a group of people like a room full of people if it's like a presentation or something even in those in those kinds of situations I've noticed that I connect more with people when I allow them like a sneak peek into who I am mm-hmm. um and I've, I've built really great networks that way too um but definitely you're not obligated to share it it's yours and you know it's yours to to share when you are ready but anyways I think we've talked long yeah. enough this... I don't know how long it's gonna turn out but Karina and I have been sitting here talking for more than an hour hour and a half <laughs> yeah so we just, I feel like that's just how we are when, especially yeah. about topics that we care about, we will just yeah. go on forever. Yeah. But, um, I think there's going to be enough, enough content for like multiple topics. <laughs> we went, we started with one thing and we ended with something completely different, but yeah, but I remember this is kind of what our team meetings would look like when we work yeah. together. I feel like that's all we did. Like, um, we tried to get through the items in the agenda and then be like okay now what's going on how are you guys and then we just talk for like a whole hour definitely mm-hmm. but i think that'll be the end for this episode mm-hmm. thank you guys for listening if you listen to the whole thing <laughs> um but yeah and thank you uh sandra for having this conversation with me it's been a while since we've seen each other so this was fun yeah maybe. I, I miss talking to you like this I, I don't have a lot of people that I can talk to about basically any topic yeah. um especially so in depth about immigration and I'm honored to be the first guest on angry activist thank you so much yeah thank you um so yeah don't forget to follow us on instagram do you want to plug your um, yeah. blog. <laughs> um, so my Instagram is at Sandy's Days, um, and my blog is Dreamers Transcend 
www.mindfulnessmeditation.com. And like I said, it's just me sharing stories. Some are like more personally about me, but I'm also sharing stories about friends and other people and their experiences. Um, just to give you kind of like an idea of like the reality of what being undocumented in the United States is like. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that's it for today. Uh, hope you guys tune in for the next one.